0: You're listening to another episode of the Man of Class podcast. I'm your host, Eric Yusko, founder of Man of Class, this podcast, and is the exceptional life strategist for those men who know there's a lot more to life than just that daily grind. This episode is jam-packed full of goodness. I had to re-listen to it a couple times after I recorded it just to soak up all the knowledge that Mina was able to drop. So if you're a business leader, you're own a business, work at a W-2, corporate leader, whatever the case may be, listen in and you're going to get a ton of nuggets. Stay tuned. Every day, the world tolerates less and less of traditional masculine behavior, which has driven a new standard for men to be successful. How does one evolve so that they can win in today's world? Enter Man of Class. A place to empower men to break down traditional masculinity and build the necessary skill sets, mindset, and confidence to become the men that society desperately needs. Welcome, and I hope you enjoy. All right, welcome back to another episode on the Man of Class podcast. We are into season three, All Around Leadership. Uh, Leadership is such an important thing that I feel like we need to address it. It's the thing that many people don't want to talk about. Leaders think they have it all licked. Uh, They read some books and think they're the expert and don't realize that it's an ever-growing entity, just like muscles and anything else that requires daily attention. So today, we've got a special guest, Mina Elias, uh, the Egyptian prescription and is the CEO of MMA Nutrition. You started out in supplements. So Nina, give us, give us some background. Tell us how you kind of got into being called the Egyptian prescription and how you, how you kind of started and founded the MMA nutrition.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Um, so first of all, thank you for having me on, uh, the, the origin of the Egyptian prescription is actually funny. I don't think anyone has asked me, but, uh, it's like my fight name, right? So, um, I, you know, train and fight MMA and, um, there was like, I, I once went to, um, Mohegan sun, uh, and I took a picture in Avalon and then my friends at the gym, uh, the MMA gym saw it. And, uh, it was one friend and, and my coach, and they started making fun of me and saying, uh, that I would go and approach women and say, I'm a pharmacist from Egypt, uh, kind of like to lure them in. And then they said, he's the Egyptian prescription. And, uh, <laughs> and it was, um, I mean, it's funny and, uh, I like it, so it kind of stuck and I just became known as that, um, at the gym and now outside the gym. And so, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the, it, and so a little, yeah, I'll give you like a little quick rundown of, of who I am. So, um, I came to America in 2011, January, 2011 to study, get my bachelor's degree, uh, chemical engineering and chemistry. Uh, and then I went on to get my master's in industrial engineering. So, uh, I was on that path of, uh, you know, trying to make my parents proud by going to, good, going to a good school, uh, getting good grades, getting a good job. Um, and then, you know, working up the corporate ladder. So I did exactly that You at the top of my class in chemical engineering. Um, I think I had like a three, three, nine in my master's, um, you know, did, did really well. And then I, got into, you know, obviously I was after my bachelor's got into the nine to five routine and just kept working my way from job to job and, and, you know, up the ladder. And, uh, you know, finally ended up in a project management position uh, where basically the boss of the company was saying, Hey, you know, I'm kind of grooming you to take my place. And uh, when I say the boss of the company, I just mean the CEO of the company um, came out wrong, but she was like, I want to groom you to uh, kind of eventually take over my position. You're smart. You have what it takes. And then, uh, you know, on the drive home, I was like, man, I'm waking up at four 30 every morning, commuting 45 minutes there, commuting 45 minutes back. Um, barely have time to hit the gym, like train MMA after I'm back home by nine thirty. I can't, I don't have a social life. Um, I, there's no way I can get married or have kids on a schedule like that on a routine like that. And, uh, you know, I was, I didn't want to sacrifice going to the gym. I didn't want to sacrifice, um, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I was reflecting, I was like, Hey man, like I'm pretty much almost there. Like I fulfilled that plan that I had set out to fulfill, which is, you know, graduate, get good grades, um, get a good job, work up the corporate ladder. But I was miserable. I was more unhappy than I ever have been. Um, and I'm like one of those people that I take pride in like not being like, I I'm always like, no, like, I'm not going to be depressed. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to get myself. If I, even things go bad, I'm going to like not get depressed and eventually just catches up to you. I mean, maybe I wasn't depressed, depressed, like some other people clinically are, but um, I was definitely very unhappy, which is, you know, just as not, I don't want to say just as bad, but it is also very bad. Like there's no reason for me to be that unhappy. So at that point I need, I need to make a change, and I was sitting with my dad on vacation. Um, it was September 14th, 2018. And it was me, my mom and my dad at a cafe drinking, you know, some nice juice in Egypt. And um, I was like looking for some protein powder on my phone. And my dad was like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm just looking for some protein. Uh, you know, I want to order it before I get back to America. I was going back on the 21st and I said, you know, I wanted to be there before I got back. And um, he was like, you know what? First he started talking about like supplements and, you know, having an app and stuff like that, and I don't know, like I'm I'm not into, obviously not an app guy, not a tech guy, but he's like, you know, why don't you start your own supplement company? And I was like, I don't know. And, and I always like dismiss my dad's like remarks about business and stuff like that. But this time I was like, you know what, like, let me just look into it just for the sake of it. And so I looked into it looked at how much it costs to start an LLC. Um, and like like I said, um, I hit up Paul who you, I think previously had on the podcast and Mm -hmm. uh, I hit him up. I said, Hey man, how much is it to make an LLC? And he said, Oh, it's only like, um, $400 on legal zoom or something. I was like, that's it. And, um, so i looked i looked at how much that cost i looked at the ingredients i you know if i was going to make a supplement i was obviously going to make a supplement that i would personally use and i never even thought any other direction is because it's like if i'm going to make a supplement it has to be something that i was going to use j- just purely for the fact that i'm literally like addicted to supplements so i was like hey, making something it's not for money it's just for me and um you know and then I was like, let me look at like how much it's going to cost to make. Let me look at like packaging options, scoopers, labels, all that stuff. And I ran the numbers up and it was like, okay, it's going to cost me like five or $6 to make. And I and all my competitors on Amazon, not my competitors. It was just like the, the similar products on Amazon were selling 26, 25, 26 to 30. So I was like, man, like, that's a lot of profit. Obviously did not take into account fees for selling fulfillment fees, uh, (laughs) advertising. you know, I was just an amateur. I didn't know anything about business. Um, as an engineer, I'm really, really good. Very technical. Awesome. As a business guy back then didn't know a single thing. Didn't like, you know, nothing. So then I was like, you know, let me just do it. And I ordered all the materials and they came in, um, before I even got back got back there, incorporated my company October 10th, 2018. Um, and, you know, made, made a, like a batch, gave them out to, to my friends at the gym saying that this is a company that trusted me with their like demo, um, you know, stuff that they're like coming up with. And, uh, these are like some samples. No one else has them like try them out. And then everyone loved the supplement. They said, wow, man, this stuff like really works. It really helps you. And this is an electrolyte powder. And people are like, oh, electrolyte powder is so much on the market. But like, I actually did like very, very in-depth clinical research on like, I I got doses from clinical studies, stuff that's like, you know, been shown in tests to improve performance based on certain amounts and stuff. And um, I combined, you know, certain things. And um, I was like, this is, this is definitely, this definitely on paper should enhance your performance. So when I gave it to people and I did see that it enhanced the performance, because obviously I'm not going to use myself as an
0: example because you know, I'm like, Oh yeah, I made this thing. It tastes, uh, not a taste, uh, it works amazing. And, and then you're fighting placebo because then you're like, was it, did it really make improvements because, yeah. or was it yeah. that I thought it was going to make improvements? So you're playing into that placebo.
1: Exactly. And, and I didn't want to even tell them like, Hey, uh, this is my company. Cause then some of them might be nice to me and say, Oh, you know, uh, yeah, it's so good, Mina. And I'm like, no, no, I wanted like raw, real opinions. So, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm when they came back and said, Oh yeah, like this stuff like really works. And then that was like, okay, I'm onto something. And then I incorporated October 10th. Um, someone hit me up and he said, "Mina, I have, um, I have an MMA event going on. I'm like the marketing manager, blah, blah, blah. I'll get you a table for free. Just pr- get your banner, um, make, like get some samples or whatever and show up. So, I ordered the stuff enough for like $40, uh, 40 bags. That was like about a hundred dollars. Um, went on Vistaprint, got a banner, obviously got my logo from Fiverr, uh, you know, amateur stuff. And, um, you know, got the banner, got 40 products, November 2nd. I went to that event. I had a a website. didn't even know what e-commerce was. I had a catalog Squarespace website on literally had four pages. You can buy anything on it. And, um, didn't know anything. You know, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm just an engineer. I didn't, I don't know why I didn't even bother watching YouTube videos on (laughs) e-commerce, but it's just, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And so I was there at the event and I sold 25, of the bags out of the 40. And, um, it like, I felt amazing and and people were talking to me and, uh, then everyone was asking, where can I buy this? And I didn't, it did not even occur to me to come up with that answer before the actual show. So I said, guys, uh, this was just a soft launch. It's going to be on Amazon pretty soon because I said, you know, I buy all my supplements from Amazon. So might as well say that it's going to be on Amazon. And I did not have the, the slightest clue on how to get on Amazon. So I was like, okay, i said it now i gotta do it and it's like i knew i was never gonna see these people again but like just it's like hey i you know i said it so i have to do it and so i went down the rabbit hole of how do i get on amazon i called amazon seller support i said hey you know i want to sell my supplements on amazon what do i have to do um didn't know anything there was no courses like i didn't i didn't know that even courses existed for that kind of stuff like who even knows that there's courses to, to do this stuff. And, um, I mean, I didn't, and then just like, you know, figured it out. I had to like come up with a few documents, came up with those documents. Uh, and then next thing you know, November 22nd, um, 2018, I was live on Amazon and that first day I had like done a lot of research and watched a bunch of YouTube videos and they're like, okay, you need to like trigger the Amazon algorithm, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I remember like two days later, it was 6am. I was in LA fitness finishing up my morning swim and, I look at my phone for like seller central app for the sales of like the day yesterday and said, 10, I'm like, it's gotta be my friends. They're so nice. I open and look at the orders and it's like John from Utah, Kimberly from, you know, South Carolina. I'm like, I don't know who these people are. And it was surreal. Like to this day, I think that's probably one of my favorite feelings ever is waking up and realizing that 10 random, completely random people actually, wanted my product. And, you know, the rest is history since then. Like, you know, I've grown the company past, uh, you know, million dollars in sales per year. Um, you know, I've, I've launched multiple brands, got into manufacturing. So, uh, and it all, everything I've done is, is like almost the same way. It's, I don't know. I don't know how to do it. And I'm just like, but I'm gonna figure it out. And I go out there, I you know go to conferences, ask people. I have no shame in calling uh, a competitor and being like, hey, I noticed that you're doing this and this. Can you explain to me exactly how it's done? And it's even better when it's an employee because a nine to five employee does not even have the slightest idea in their mind that oh, like this is another entrepreneur, and they don't have that scarcity mindset. Like they're like, oh yeah, like we do this, this, and this, and this, and you just can have a full on conversation on everything that they do. And it's mm-hmm. like, not proprietary. it's like, yeah, like, you know, our funnel on Facebook is very simple. We have this creative, we do this and then we test this. And I'm like, Oh, amazing. Now I know exactly what this company is doing. And it's a lot of just taking that information, trying it out. If it works, amazing. If it doesn't on to the next one. And you know, that's pretty much sums it up.
0: And it's, and it's really interesting. So a couple key points there, right. Was humbleness, right? You don't, you know, that you, so you started a company, right? You, you did. You right. weren't always in there in that position. You went into uh, creating this company and this brand. And I sense a lot of humbleness in you, right? You're like, I, I'm an engineer. I don't, I, you know, I'm I'm learning business. I am not the business expert. Uh, yeah. Just because I'm a CEO doesn't mean I I know all the answers. I'm going to go call and get answers. Surround myself with different people. Uh, experiment. Try things. And I think that's such a big piece that you know. Frankly, leaders, they talk about, right? There's a difference of walking the, or talking the talk, but not walking the walk. And I think in just those couple examples that you gave, I think it really demonstrates the authenticity, right? Of yeah. you do, right? You do walk the walk. You do, if you don't understand something, you'll call up a random company and say, hey, how is, you know, how does this get done? What does this mean?
1: Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know what, uh, I got rejected so many times. And initially, it was hard. Um, initially, like, you know, if, it, for example, let's say that, I, you know, I w- wanted to pitch to be on your podcast, and I would message you and say, Hey, man, like, I you know, I think my story would be good. And you say, Hey, unfortunately, like, you're not a good fitter, or, or, you know, I don't have any openings, which is a nice way of saying no, I would kind of like, you know, feel upset. But I've, I'm now so resistant to rejection that I have no problem uh, pitching myself to a thousand people and getting rejected by 990 uh, and just getting yeses from 10 because that's still 10 yeses. So mm-hmm. um, I've really built some thick skin. Um, initially, I, you know, some people I feel like are afraid of getting told no. Uh, initially I was too, but I think now I'm like, how fast can I get told No. Because I know that if I go through so many no's, I'm going to get to the yes quicker.
0: Yeah. And I think that, so you're exactly right. So many people don't like the the rejection and they play it up in their mind. And I love the muscle metaphor where you still like the whole rejection piece of it, right? You You started out and you tested that muscle and you just kept training that over and over again until you got to the point where going out and asking or pitching yourself to a thousand people and getting 990 no's and only 10 yeses, like that's, you're okay with that, right? you yeah. strengthen that muscle. Just like when somebody lifts and they think that 45 pounds is too heavy, but they train over and over again. And then, you know, 65 or 85 is the new heavy and yeah. it's, it's, you know, getting rejected is, is no different, right? Everything in, in life Nothing is is ever just taught, right? Or I'm sorry, nothing is ever just like, that's the way that it is. You always have to train, you always have to practice, you always have to experiment. And it's only through that until you start to realize that that's really the key of life. (laughs) Experiment, try different things, see how it grows. Uh, So I think that's, I think that's awesome.
1: Yeah. I, I think that's honestly like one of the things that has contributed a lot to my successes. that I am like very okay with failing so many times. Um, and I think a lot of people go into business with like such fear. Um, like I, I do some Amazon coaching, like how to sell on Amazon coaching. And they're like, you know, the, the people are so afraid and I'm like, you know that I spent over a hundred thousand dollars on my bachelor's and master's degree, and I don't even use it anymore. I mean, you know, okay, sure, it's a good you know thing to fall back on if I ever lose all of my businesses at once. But um, I was okay spending one hundred thousand dollars, knowing that I probably am going to have a market cap of one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year uh, before tax, like one twenty one. Like, what's like a killer engineer is doing what? maybe 120, a year, you know, mm-hmm. before tax, which is the equivalent of like 60 to $70,000 a year a- after tax. So I was okay spending a hundred thousand dollars just to do that. And I'm like, you guys are afraid of like a 5,000 to $10,000 investment in starting a business where you have an unlimited like potential. I'm like, why are you so afraid of failing? Uh, to me, you, you, you can't fail unless you just quit because let's say you do launch a $5,000 uh, product, you invest, you go, you may, manuf- you know, get it manufactured, you inspect it all uh, the ship. I'm like, okay, so what happens if this all goes down? Like something happened in Amazon's uh, for example, Amazon's like, okay, no one can sell supplements anymore. Uh, we're done with the supplement category. I'm like, okay, like, you know, everything that I learned w- wasn't down like the drain. I still have all of that. Yeah. Maybe like this certain project didn't work. So, for me, I'm fully okay with like failing and, and, and encountering. And I think that's what contributes a lot to my success is just like, I'm so okay trying stuff and failing. Like I have no, no problem. Like if, if you told me like me, like go try this, I'm not like, Oh, like, will it work? Like, what if this, what if that? I, I don't even consider like the negative stuff. I only consider like all the positive. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, what, what are all the upsides? If there's good upsides, like, let's try it. I don't care if there's a lot of downsides.
0: And it's, and it's fascinating because I think so many times, Again, right? Nothing that fear of failing didn't wasn't just born into us, right? I have a seventeen-month-old daughter, and she has no fear. She yeah. has she has no fear at all. Like you know, the things of like falling downstairs or like running into a wall or all this stuff. She just she doesn't have any fear. She just bounces off and she just keeps going. So that mm-hmm. to me tells tells me that all of the fear of rejection or fear of failing is a learned trait. And Absolutely. frankly, from a leadership standpoint, I think that's, that's a major disservice when we talk, whether it's within your company or whether it's in just other companies in general, again, you can say experiment and take risks and don't worry about failing, but it's like people aren't always consistent with that. Right. They say that, but then it's like, when you make a mistake, they are like, how could you let that happen? Yeah. Right. Yeah, and definitely. And immediately all, all the insecurities, all of the, just, or you need to be better next time. Like, don't you think that people know that? (laughs) Don't you know if they made a mistake that they're not like, Oh, I really don't care. Like they need the, you know, the parent, there's so much parent, uh, parental leadership, I think that, that exists instead of like a servant based leadership where it's like, you don't realize that you're the one actually serving your employees. Yeah. No, a hundred (laughs) percent. If they do well, your company will do well. Right. (laughs) If you do well, Then, you know, you solidify jobs, but if you tell them and micromanage and do all of this parental type leadership stuff, uh, you know, helicoptering and all that other stuff, then you're not allowing them to actually be authentic. And then it gets into, you know, just treating people like replaceable objects. And you shared an interesting story a couple times when we had talked around, there was a point in time when you were working as a construction manager and working, you know, different projects that were accumulating, um, like $12 million and you like, yeah. saved, I think it was like $500,000 or something in a single day. Like $300,000. Yeah. $300,000. And it, they said, Hey, great job. Here's like 2k or something.
1: Oh, well, n- n- I didn't even give me the 2k. Uh, I mean, when it came time for my annual review, which was actually a year and a half, not a year. Um, they said, okay, like the best we can do is raise you $2,000. And I'm like, you understand that that, like that's like in line with what inflation is. Right. And um, they're like, yeah, you know, that's it. We can offer you more. I'm like, yeah, you can. Like I saved you guys $300,000 on one project in profit. Like you can definitely spare like 10,000, you know, it's like, you're not tight money. Um, And it doesn't make any sense. It just didn't never made sense to me. And, and, I honestly am very thankful for that happening because now I take an, a different approach with my employees. And I'm like, if you guys find ways to make the money company, I will give you a bonus. And, and this is like a, a policy that's always there. Uh, and anyone can take it up. If you are like, you know, maybe bored on the weekend and you find, you come up with something and you hit me up and say, said, Mina, look at this. And, uh, it's like a way that saves the uh, company money, or maybe makes more money for the company. You get a bonus immediately.
0: And and that's a, and that's a brilliant thing because what that does is that it it breaks the ties of you only working X amount of hours and getting paid X amount, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it, it does twofold. One of them is if different employees go through tough times, let's say it allows them another opportunity to say, Hey, if I go and hustle and grind or think more for the company or do something right, give more to the company, I can actually make more money in times that I may need it. Right. Like during COVID, when people were losing their jobs, I know there was a lot of, of fear and scarcity, you know, mm-hmm. in that time, if, if somebody came up with an idea that's that saved you, whether it was cost or, or allowed you to, to get more sales or more revenue, you'd be giving them money back. And so that's a much better incentive than to just say, keep doing what you're doing type deal. Right. Yeah. It, it almost we, we almost companies are set up to almost deliver complacency all the time. Yeah
1: yeah and I treat um like any employer employer relationship that I have um as a relationship this is a relationship you know the same way you know you have a husband wife boyfriend girlfriend um like i need i want you to to like me as much as I like you uh and it's not like you're my employee, so I own you like no, I don't own you. I am just giving you money in exchange for work. Um, and I know that if I help you grow, if I help you, um, like be more in love with your, with your job and all of that, then you're going to want to work harder and better for me. Um, and you're going to stay longer with me. I don't treat employees as if like, you know, cause honestly I've felt in the past, like in my nine to fives treated like a slave, like you like you're, you're our slave. Like, you know, you come in on time, you leave on time. We give you money. Like we own you. And I'm like, no, like this is a relationship. Um, we have to both like each other and I have to feel fulfilled or else like I'm going to leave. And unfortunately a lot of people are not, they, you know, they don't have the balls to leave. They don't have, like, I didn't have the balls to leave. And I was a very big example from 2014 when I graduated all the way to 2018 I, you know, no matter how much I didn't like the job, I was like, Oh, I'm not going to leave now. Uh, I have to wait till like six months or one year mark, which is total bullshit. You don't have to wait till anything. If you step in a company and you don't like uh, the culture, you don't like your job, leave in a week, leave in a month, leave in two months. It doesn't matter if you get a job and, and like you don't like the way the boss talks to you or whatever your supervisor just leave. Like this is a relationship. It's the same way. If you, have a, you know, a girlfriend and, you know, she's crazy and starts like, you know, screaming and yelling and kicking, Uh, like, you know, you're not going to say, oh, I'm just going to, you know, wait six months to a year because uh, I don't want it to look bad. No, of course not. You're just going to immediately leave. And so I don't know why employees, including myself, take the abuse of feeling like, you have to be there. No, it's a relationship. If you have to be in love with the job and the employer has to be in love with you as an employee or else it's just not going to work. And so when I hired all of my employees, I take that same kind of mindset and I'm like, I need them to, I need them to come in to work saying, I am so blessed. I have the best job. Like there's no other job out there that can beat this job. And if I, if they don't feel like that, then, You know, I'm not doing a good enough job or maybe it's just like, you know, the job is not for them. Like, you know, if it's a very technical job and they're not a technical person or they thought they were a technical person, but they weren't. And I'm totally cool with that, you know, and I'm also totally cool with you not having to stay. I know, like old school, it's like, stay with me for 12, 15, 16, 25, retire with me, you know, that's old school. If you want to work for me for three years, get get, get that experience and go work in a, you know something else. Like maybe you you like supplements, but now you want to work in like a different type of industry or maybe in another supplement company. That's fine. You know, I'm totally cool with it. This is a relationship. It's not. You know, uh, I'm not trying to hire someone, make them my slave, and keep them for life. Like that's yeah. this is. The, I feel like that's how old school employers are kind of function. It,
0: and it was. And it was interesting because I've, I've done a lot of thinking on, on this and it used to be before the implementation of the internet and, and all the tech companies and, and so much freedom that can be had now. You know, it used to be that the only time that work would get done is when you were sitting in a chair, right? In the office talking to people mm-hmm. and there was only so many jobs you know, with the baby boomers. It was like there was only so many jobs and there was more people than there were jobs. And so companies kind of got to get away with a lot of stuff where they'd say, ah, screw it. Like I know that there's 20 people that want that job. So I can, so I can treat you however I want to treat you and know that I still have to, you know, if I burn you out, I've got you know 19 more people behind. And when the, when, you know, larger companies fail or as, um, just the, like I said, the implementation of the internet and just growing techs and just so many entrepreneurs and different businesses, right? Amazon wasn't just a creator. It's not just a business. It's a creator of businesses. Like they have their own thing, but there's so many third parties that can go happen.
1: Yeah. If it wasn't
0: for Amazon, I wouldn't be even selling. I wouldn't even be making money. Right. Exactly. So there's so many more, there's new companies, there's, there's just so many more opportunities now that it's almost like the script is flipped where, now there's more jobs than there are people. And that stuff just doesn't fly anymore. There's two things. One of them is that whole flipping. And then the other one is people are starting to wake up to the to the fact, like you had talked about, I don't have to be treated like crap. Like mm-hmm. if you want to treat me like a child, I, I can go other places. Like I don't have to take, I don't have to be in an abusive relationship, right? We talked about that of of being in an abusive relationship, why stay there? So many times people do because they have that underlying fear that there might not be something else out there.
1: Yeah, yep, and and I okay. I, I I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I experienced the exact same thing, and uh, you know, and it was four years of that from graduating. It was one bad job after the next with the whole fear of um, I don't want to leave this job. I don't know if I'm gonna have another one. And I'm in a little bit of a different situation than most people. I came here as an international student, so. I legally have to find an, a job in three months. I can't not have a job. So I'll have to always have a job. And, um, you know, like I have to work in my field where like I studied. Um, so, it, and I have like student loans. Like, I pay like 11, $1,200 a month in student loans. So I never had the privilege. I never had my parents that I can move back in with like in America. Uh, my parents are in Egypt. So, It's like, I was always not just fearful of not finding another job, but also I do have that on my shoulders, like the weight on my shoulders of you have to always be employed and you have to always be able to make, you know, your bill payments plus your loan student loan payments. And so, you know, I accepted the abusive relationships of all these different employees where I would go into work and I would hate it. You know, I hated it, but it's like, I have to do it. You have to. And I thought there was something wrong with me you know, I, because I was like, almost like, I'm kind of like rebellious, right? It's like, you know, why are you always going into these jobs, feeling like you're underappreciated, feeling like, you know, you're smarter than people treat you. You know, maybe the issue, the, the problem is with you, but no, it wasn't. The problem wasn't with me. It was the problem was it's an outdated uh, system uh, of managing employees, outdated system of you need to come into work at nine, leave at five. Um, you know, you have to spend eight hours on your desk, Like, no, like what if I get everything done in in five hours? Why can't I like, what do you care? You know, and um, it's like, you're right. It it all stems from the whole like baby boomer where it's like uh, your time working is directly correlated to how much work gets done. But now it's no, it's like your performance is directly correlated to how much work you get done. I can be, I can get, you know, X amount of work done in five hours and my coworker can get the X amount of done, uh, X amount of work done in eight hours doesn't mean that both of us have to work eight hours. If I'm getting it done in five, that's fine. And then, you know, maybe notice that and give me the opportunity to, you know, grow and say, okay, you know, you're, you're actually doing really well. So how about you take on something more advanced and, uh, you know, and incentivize me to grow versus no, you know, we need to fill your time up with eight hours or even if so many times I've actually gone into companies. I don't know if that's the same things happened to you where um, I'm always like trying to get stuff done, trying to get stuff. And then my coworkers like, dude, you want a piece of advice? Do not work so fast and so efficiently because Mm -hmm. they're just going to ask you to do more and more and you're not going to get paid more for it. So people come in and they perform at 40% capacity so that on their bad days, they can still do 40%. And then
0: if they decide to do 60%, they're like, wow, good job. Here's a raise. And and people gain the system that way, right? I mean, there's exactly what you said. Somebody comes in, And yeah, it's like they hit it out of the park because they're trying to prove themselves and everybody else is like, Hey, don't, don't do that. A, you're going to make us look bad. B uh, you're only going to shoot yourself in the foot. So, so go do it this way. Mm -hmm. And I really, really like what you just said, because I think that advice for anybody who owns a business, thinking about owning a business, maybe as a corporate leader, this is like the most important thing to take away from this conversation is for the people who are, getting stuff done and you want to add more onto their plate. Like if you, if you don't utilize your employees, if you don't see their talents and say, Hey, maybe this person, because they're crushing it, I give them this opportunity and incentivize them to go do that. You are causing your company to not grow. Yeah. Like you're You're losing those decisions. Indecision is, is making your company lose money. Mm hmm which is a really abstract way of thinking about it. But in a way, I, that's why I really, really like what you just said. It's like, if you don't find somebody who can maybe do 40 hours worth a week in, you know, 20 hours or something and are utilizing and incentivizing and trying to elevate them to learn more and to be more and to really help the company, then you're purposefully letting the company fail. Yeah, Because it's it, it's not growing as much as it could have grown if you start tapping into people's gifts. And hundred percent. Yeah. And,
1: and, and it also, you know, how are you ever going to uh, get to a point where your employees like working there? If I feel Mm -hmm. like my, if, if I feel like I have to be there nine to five, that's a a virtual chain. That's a virtual chain around my feet. Uh, You know, it's a, it's like, it's virtual slavery. Um, And, but if I'm like, Hey, you know, as long as you get your work done, you're fine. You know, maybe you need to do uh, run some errands today that's, that's cool. Go run the errands and, you know, make it up. Or you don't even have to make up the time? It's just like, make sure your tasks are taken care of. If your tasks are taken care of, I'm totally cool. I have no issues. And I, it just does not, it, I can't fathom why anyone would do it any other way. If, if you hire someone to do something, all you care about is they do it. If you, and, and I'm telling you, if someone is happy, At work. If someone goes into work knowing that if anything, oh, my mom's sick, I can go visit her and you know, and and take care of her uh and take the day off or you know, be like, hey, I'm gonna take the day off and not be penalized for it, not say, oh, it's coming out of your PTO type stuff. Um, knowing that I'm like, okay, like, why would I ever leave this place? Why would I ever not work hard for this place? You know, I I like what I have, so why would I let it go? Versus literally, like, I know that us uh, when we were in our corporate nine to five or whatever, you get to a point where it's like, fire me. I dare you. I hate this job anyways. I don't, I don't care about you. I don't care about this, this business, you know? And I've gotten to that point where it's like, honestly, like just fire me, fire me and give me the severance so I can go find something else. Cause I really do not care about you. And you never want to get to that position.
0: Yeah, you, kind of- you, it's like, you don't want to get to that position, but it's, it's so, it's so interesting because I have many conversations where people are getting closer and closer to that. And when I talk to different leaders in different industries or businesses or segments, the conversation is always, I can't find good people. And, and it's funny because it's almost, it's, it's looking at it. It's like one person thinks nine, one person thinks six. Leaders are oftentimes thinking, you know, Oh, millennials don't want to work. You know, they don't have, um, good work ethic or, or whatever that it might be. And it's, they just aren't fitting the molds the way the older generation wants the younger generation to fit into the molds. Mm -hmm. Because there's so many people that I, that I run into that are like, I could save my company, you know, $20,000 a month. I know how to go do that. No one will listen to me. So I just keep going about my day and don't even think twice about it. Right. Or why am I Mm -hmm. incentive? I'm not incentivized to help the company flourish. I'll just keep doing what I'm going to go do because that's what they ask of me. Yeah. And, There's and so many missed opportunities. It's like these companies, you know, when a company goes out of business, I'm like, oh, it was just, I know it could have been saved. I know there was ways of being adaptable and just being flexible and supporting each other and, and figuring out a solution. But oftentimes yeah. it just, it doesn't, it just falls on deaf ears.
1: And and I think uh in the book like Good to Great, um, they they like he mentions, he says, um, it doesn't matter where you're going. If you have the right people on the bus, you can go anywhere. And so uh I don't know who what example they they use, but it was a superstore, right? And they were doing the the old school uh grocery store and then they realized, hey, like you know, grocery stores are going out of business. We need now need a superstore, which is you know what like uh, Ralph's and, and uh, Stop and Shop and stuff are. It's like you go in there, you can you can get everything. And um, you know, they said, okay, let's pivot. But because they had the right team, it, it was it wasn't it was easy. You know, they had the right team. They had the the right people in the right positions, and so. It, when you have a, a really good team, it doesn't matter what your business is. You can take that team and do any business. So if you were mm-hmm. selling something that you required people to be in person indoors for uh, during COVID, and now okay, ninety nine percent of the states are saying okay, you cannot be indoors and you can't do in person. If you have the right team, you can pivot. Right, you shouldn't have any issues because you have a team of superstars. It doesn't matter, you know, what you do with them you have the right team. And so I think a lot of it, I mean, I haven't reached that level of corporate uh, where it's like, I don't know how hard it is to pivot, but I feel like if you have a really solid team, you you can be set no matter what your industry is, no matter what you're selling, because you have the right team backing you when you
0: decide to pivot. Yeah. Well, and we see that, I mean, we see that all over the place, you know, when, when Ford decided to, to minimize the amount of offerings that they had, Right, to kind of streamline and say we're we're not gonna try to go after every single segment of having cars and SUVs and trucks. We're gonna our trucks are selling well, we're gonna double down on that. Um, and their crossover or SUVs uh, were good. So I think they only and the Mustang, I think. But you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Like they they pivoted, they said, What's working, what's not working, and I'm and I'm gonna trim my fat and I'm gonna go with it. Yeah. And a lot uh-huh. of companies that were very brick and mortar now all of a sudden saying, How can I go and, you know, become more online. I I just saw Best Buy, a commercial for Best Buy, which I was very interested in because they said, again, right, you want to go buy appliances and many people are like, well, maybe i will just go buy it at Walmart or Lowe's or, or wherever. And their big thing was buy it, we'll bring it, we'll install it and we'll show you how to go do it, right? That service. Mm-hmm. And again, right, that's a, that's a way for them to pivot. They realize people aren't going to Best Buy to go shop in the stores. So they're trying to say, how can I one up? How do I take it further than my competition instead of maybe just buying it and having it show up? Like you can buy, I'm sure you could buy a washer on, on Amazon, but Amazon's mm-hmm. not going to hook it up and, and teach you how to go use, use it or take away the old one or whatever that it might be. So they're trying to go that extra mile. So I think regardless of whether you're a small business or a big business, it almost, you know, the lack of pivoting is really that limiting belief well, we've always done it this way, so we can't go change that. Mm -hmm. Which is why pulling in different leaders from, you know, there's so much cross-pollination, they just blow the model up and they just say, okay, you're you're set with the shackles of why you can't go do something and that's what you're focusing on versus pulling somebody in that says, how can we go do something, right? Fundamentally Mm -hmm. different question because if you ask, you know, uh, why can't we, you know? Why can't we go do something different? They'll be like, "Well, I'll tell you all the reasons why you can't because of this policy, because of this, because of this." Versus if somebody comes in and says, I, "You know, we how do we get an additional twenty k in cash flow per month? How do we go do, do that, right?" Or mm-hmm. the products that we have, maybe we're second place. How do we? What do we need to do differently to be first place with our customers?
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. I I think, I think that's the best way to go about it is there's always the reasons why we can't do stuff, but Mm -hmm. if you focus on that, that's where you're going to end up.
0: I can give you a million reasons why I didn't want to get out of bed this morning, but, (laughs) but if, if I think about all the things that I want to get out of bed to go do, that's, that's what I choose to focus on. Those still are there, right? We're not trying to, to you know, cause there's another thing right within leadership where they're like, Oh, only look at everything as opportunity and everything's sunshine and rainbows. And mm-hmm. it, when people say that, it's like, you're missing the, you know, you're missing the intent. I think 100%. Right? everything isn't sunshine and rainbows, but you have to be okay when you get, you know, served a pile of crap. Like you have to be okay with that and just say, all right, this is an opportunity, right? It is what it is. It sucks. We lost, you know, our number one customer. We lost whatever it was, right. Just like in your business, if all of a sudden you've lost, um, you know, one of your raw material vendors, you're like, well, that really stinks. Um, mm-hmm. You know, a it's opportunity, you know, do I start create, you know, how can I maybe get that more in my house? Do I go buy a company that does that? So it's all in my house, kind of do the McDonald's method. Yeah. Or, you know, do I go and and find a different supplier, build a new relationship, and maybe they're going to offer something that the other one didn't. A hundred percent. I mean, uh, I can't like, I can go into all of the things, all of
1: the bad things that have happened. I am actually right now fixing a major issue d- due to, you know, I, I can, I can go back and forth saying whose fault is it, but essentially it's always my fault. It's my business. It's my fault. So it was my fault. Something happened. It was a result of a miscommunication. And now I'm like here, you know, in the facility fixing it. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, it doesn't matter. You know, there's a million reasons why Oh, like, you know, this can go wrong. That can go wrong. But I'm telling you, like every single day, something is going to go wrong and you're going to make so many mistakes. It's totally fine. I'm, I'm glad I made this mistake because guess what? I'm never going to make it again. So we're good. Right. Right.
0: And and those are the best. You know, I love when I talk to leaders and they and they say exactly that. They're like, yeah, it was a horrible experience. OK, well, not going to do anything about it. I'm not going to blame anybody for it. Because I know that people, people beat themselves up enough. I think that's the other thing that many people don't realize. You don't have to keep beating people up. They beat Mm -hmm. themselves up enough whenever they make a mistake because people for the most part have integrity, right? So if they make a mistake, they're like, oh crap. I need, I, I, okay. I will definitely not make that mistake again. So you don't really need to remind them of the fact that, Hey, you made that mistake. (laughs) Don't do it again. Right. They don't need that. It's, it's, yeah, it's like, who cares who made the mistake at the
1: end of the day, it's like, okay, a mistake was made. We're all human beings. How we move forward. Let's fix this and let's keep going. Right.
0: Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so you've, you've done some, you've done a lot, right? There's been a lot of, of lessons that, that you've taken from your corporate world and said, okay, how do I build a different culture? And some of the things, one of the things that was really interesting was how you're hiring because that's, that's, that always gets another, an, another yeah. big question. Well, sure. It's easy, but you know, how do you, it starts with getting people in the door and mm-hmm. walk us through your interview process. Cause I think that could really shed a lot of new perspectives for people who are just looking to, to, to do hiring, right? How to do hiring better than just the normal, Uh, interview, tell me where the last time that you've done something that was super hard and you came out to be on top and what you learned and all the, all the candid or all the canned questions and knowing that you have the canned responses in order to check all the checkbox off.
1: Yeah. (coughs) Sorry. So I just want to start by saying, um, since, uh, last March, uh, which is tw- not last March, 2019, March, 2019. Wow, man. Time flies when you're in COVID. Um, <laughs> yeah. March of 2019, I've hired six employees. I've not let, I've, Oh, okay. I let my first one go. I've hired. So a uh, total seven, one of them I let them go and I'll explain exactly why. Um, so I've had six with me so far. They have not left. Um, they're happy at their jobs. And out of those six, I think five, uh, were the top candidates that I, and then I decided to interview that top candidate. And then I offered the job to that top candidate and they accepted it. So I've had like a really good track record. Um, and guess what? I have not once asked for a resume. And, uh, I remember once I, I was looking for, um, uh, you know, a chemical engineer slash like manufacturing su- supply chain person to hire. I was basically looking for like an engineer and, um, I reached out to, some of my professors, I said, you know, obviously I can't afford someone's season. So I prefer starting with an internship and then grooming that person. I said, Hey guys, do you know anyone, uh, you know, who's like a stellar student in their senior year, uh, can do it for an internship and then maybe hire them once they graduate. And, um, they're like, they, they saw my, they're like, send us a job posting. I sent them a job posting. And they're like, it's very interesting that you never ask for a resume. And I'm like, dude, do you know how easy it is to just forge your resume? I can literally tell you that I like built a skyscraper in my resume. Like who cares? Mm-hmm. It's, so I'm like, well, I don't even care about the resume. So this is my process, right? I have LinkedIn. Uh, I have indeed, I have, um, you know, if I'm looking for people in the Philippines, online if I'm looking for P- uh, people in the EU, uh, you know, I can, I use other websites I can send you the links to everything so you can share it. But basically I have like my general, um, like job, uh, posting places. And then I create a job posting where I describe everything that I want this person to do uh, generally. Okay. And then at the bottom, I was like, if you want to apply for this job, I want you to say, I want you to send me an email to this, to my email saying, I want to work for you. Then open bracket the owner of, and then I put a company. So usually I say the owner of performance, not butter, close bracket. This is the first qualifier, which immediately eliminates any like Uh, auto appliers like you know the ones that just go and like apply 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 i'm like no you can't do that you have to actually go figure out who the owner of performance nut butter is and then say i want to work for you travis travis marziani whatever uh Mm -hmm. in the subject line so that's immediately a qualifier and then i'll have like a couple more um you know hoops to jump through it depends on the job position but usually it's like it should take you approximately 15 to 30 minutes to get all the information, depending on how much you want to wow me. And honestly, if you want this job, you're going to wow me. So you're going to take, take the time to, you know, come up with the best response. And this is just a, a qualifier, right? So it's like, you know, uh, imagine if, you know, you, you're looking for someone who has at least $10,000 in the bank account. You're like, okay, who here, you know, can show me their bank statement? And then that's kind of like the first qual. So it's just like a qual. It's to eliminate most of the people that you know are not about it. And then from there I send them a test and the test is pretty intense and it's usually five to six tasks that they would generally do for me. So for example, like my social media person, I'm like, okay, I need you to go and find me uh, like the five top hashtags that I should use in my uh, company, uh, in my uh, Instagram page and explain why. Um, I want you to go find, picture, uh, three pictures of athletes and, uh, you know, working out and then give me a caption for each one. I want you to go and find like, you know, three, three companies that would align uh, go look at my website, figure out three companies that will align with my brand and uh, to do a giveaway and tell me why they align with my brand, things like that. And then I have them rec- uh, screen record the entire thing there's no right or wrong answer, okay? There's no right or wrong hashtag, there's no right or wrong company that aligns, but there is the way that you're going about it and the way that you think about it. So I wanna watch them do these things. I wanna see that they're resourceful, they can Google stuff. If you don't know know, how to figure out the top hashtags, I wanna see you uh, like Googling, how to figure the top hashtags, searching, reading a couple articles, and then being like, okay, I need to find a high, a medium, and a low that relates to my brand. Uh, You know, I want you to go look at the hashtags I've used in the past and say, okay, I'm recommending these hashtags because of this, this, and that. It's just something that I can evaluate your mental aptitude with. And, you know, after the test, I'm going to go and watch all the screen recordings and generally, you know, I, so when I did my first ever, uh, or my second, not my first, but my second uh, job application, I had like 150 to 200 people that applied only 50 of them said, I want to work for you, uh, Travis. And then only maybe 10, uh, actually were able to do the other two simple questions. And then out of that, I only got three test submissions and then eventually went on to hire one. And so, It really saves a lot of time and it does a lot of the qualification for you. And now I was talking to my friend who's a a big manager in a very big corporate company. And I said, have you guys ever tried to do something like that? Instead of the whole, send us your resume, then you're going to do a a phone call with HR phone interview. Then you're going to come in for the first round of interview. Then you're going to come in for the second. I'm like, dude, that's such a waste of time and energy. And they're like, yeah, I would love to do what you're saying, but it doesn't work because of like the zillion different like fair employer, whatever laws they're called. You know, um, mm-hmm. there's so much red tape when you become corporate that you, you literally like have to be so careful of what you do or else they can just sue you right away and say, oh, like this person tried to do this and that and uh you know you can sue the company for something unfair like a, some unfair employer act for me no one's coming after me like i'm i'm small enough where it's like no one's really
0: going to be worried about that and um so anyways that's that's the you know mainly but i think how- there's but i think there's some important things there though that so you're right if if you with you know corporate red tape the, those types of things but i i still like the the piece of it of instead of asking asking questions and brainstorming on different things that they would be doing. Right. So whether that's a marketing plan of like, Hey, imagine that you're marketing a new strawberry jam or something like that. Right. Coming up with a hypothetical situation that that has them go through some type of a thought exercise is going to be a much better way that I think still would apply because you can still do all the red tape of the resumes and and all of that. But I think those, those questions, asking questions differently, I think can be a way of, of helping to figure out who's going to be the right person for it. Right. Because either people are going to be able, they're going to show how well they're, they're thinking. And like we talked about before in a conversation, many people, if you get somebody in for, let's say engineering, but you find out that they'd be a really good marketing person or a really good HR person, get them connected over into that. Right. Mm -hmm. But you got to know enough and figure out enough of how their brain works to say, I think they'd be a really good candidate over there. I would do them a disservice if I put them in this one, because I know that I'm going to set them up for failure because I found somebody based on their thought process who would be better suited for this. Right. But leveraging wherever their people's where people's strengths are in connecting them to the right people in the right positions.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And, and, uh, you know, that's funny that you say that because I was just having a conversation the other day with a friend and we were kind of hiring, uh, for something like a little bit unrelated to our businesses, more for our personal lives. And, um, you know, he was like, man, don't go overboard with like the tests and the qualifications. And I said, no, man, like, once I find good talent, I have that good talent, like good talent is good talent. So maybe we're using him for our, you know, something personal. He's, he's already pre-qualified. I mean, do you know how hard it is to find really good employees? It's very difficult. If you've tried hiring before, you know, it's incredibly difficult to find really good talent, disciplined, hardworking, honest. And so, you know, once you find that person, like, you know, that, that, that work is done. Like, I can easily, I can easily, if I hire that person to do, but he's pre-qualified and I know that he he's like, he passed the test. He's he's good talent and you know, okay, maybe, um, you know, I I use him for something personal, but then I no longer need him. Hey, I'm not going to fire that guy. What I'm going to do is I'm going to just white label him and and basically say, okay, I have a service that does this, who else wants it? And then maybe get two or three people to pay for his time and he's Mm -hmm. there. He's my employee. He's still working for me. And then, you know, but he's, he's work like, I'm basically like outsourcing him uh, to other companies. And when I need him, Hey, come back guys. I'm sorry. We're going to have to end this. Um, You know, I give them a 30 day, no 30 day notice or whatever, but I'm like, guys, um, you know, you're going to have X employee for the next, for the next 30 days, but that's it. Uh, I need him now. But the hard work is done. I've already pre-qualified him. I've already tested him. He's a good talent. He's staying with me unless he wants to leave. He's staying.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome, man. I think that's, I think that's great. Um, so let's, uh, where, where can be the best, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Okay. So, um,
1: I think Facebook is the best because I read all of my messages on Facebook and I respond to them. So, um, it's M I N a, Space E-L-I-A-S Mina Elias on Facebook. Um, my Instagram is at Egyptian underscore prescription underscore Elias. Um, you'll see my life there and uh, a lot of fun stuff. Not, not a lot of business stuff, stuff. So um, okay. you if you, want, if you want the business content, go to Facebook. If you want the fun content, you can go to Instagram. Uh, but you know, those are the two ways you can reach me and you know you're guaranteed to get an answer from me. Those two ways. If I don't respond, uh, you just know that it's because, you know, I'm very busy, but I eventually get to them. Okay,
0: sweet. Well, I, I want to thank you for, for taking the time today to go through this. Cause I think there was, there was a lot of good key points in there that we talked about, uh, lessons that can be led for whether you're leading a person a one, right? Your own treat yourself, how you'd want to, you know, be motivated, right. To stay, to go do Mm -hmm. the things that you want to go do, or whether you're leading teams to, um, you know, leading a multi international type conglomerate, right. It doesn't matter a lot of these same principles apply. It's, it may be the method of incorporation might be slightly different because Mm -hmm. of different regulations or things that you might have to deal with. But I do think that some of the idea ideas here um are applicable to to all different levels so
1: yeah and and uh you know the last thing i want to say is just always um treat people the way that you want to be treated i know it's cliche but it's like i'm so thankful that i was mistreated in all of my past positions because now i know exactly what not to do as a as a you know employer business owner boss leader and uh whatever you know whatever was done to me that i hated i am you know proactively doing the opposite to, to make my employees love me. And I'm telling you, um, having a low churn rate, having loyal employees that are happy, uh, and, and that love you and love working in that position, uh, it, it can make a massive impact for your business. Trust me. Um, you know, it gets to a certain point. Your team is what makes you, it's not your systems. Like obviously your systems and all that stuff is important, but it gets to a certain point. It's, it's the people behind uh, the systems, um, you know, the team, that's what really can take your company from good to great. So, uh, and if you haven't read that book, very, very good read.
0: I highly recommend it. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. Well, with that, uh, we'll, we'll close today's episode and we'll make sure to have, uh, your, your contact, the Facebook and the Instagram and the show notes. And until next time, uh, keep moving forward. Did you know that 8 out of 10 men are living a life that they wish was better? I believe living an exceptional life means unlearning everything that we've been taught and dropping the shoulds immediately. Which is why I created a brand new ebook titled, Coaching Secrets, How to Break Out of Ordinary and Live an Exceptional Life. I want to show you the mindsets, strategy, and tactics you need to live the life you were meant to be so that you can step into the vision that you have for yourself, but maybe haven't taken action. And the best part about it, it's yours absolutely free. To get your copy, head on over to manofclass.com forward slash coaching secrets. And you can start living that life right now.